Chicago advocates are fighting back against the uptick in anti-Asian violence that we've been seeing since the pandemic began. As recently as last month, a gruesome video was released showing an Asian man being attacked on the red line. So now advocates are providing a variety of resources for those concerned about their security. Things like bystander intervention training, safety alarms, and more. Here to provide further perspective on the situation, we've got Sung Ah Cho, Director of Organizing at Asian Americans Advancing Justice Chicago. Hey, Sung. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Also with us on the line is Natasha Chan, board member of Asians Are Strong, a nonprofit dedicated to empowering the Asian community. Welcome back, Natasha. Hi, Sasha. Thanks for having me. So first of all, I want to give a shout out to Block Club Chicago. Uh, they published a great write-up of all of these new initiatives. I want to hear your thoughts on the new measures, both of you, but I'll start with you, Sung. Yeah, so um, with Asian Americans Advancing Justice Chicago, we've been, you know, working on the Teach Act, the Teaching Equitable Asian American History Community History Act, um, and bystander intervention training because we know we need to tackle the root causes for why Asians are vulnerable to being targeted by violence. Right? right, the perpetual foreigner myth, this idea that Asians are not American, are not part of the community, makes us very, very vulnerable to being scapegoated for violence and. The past years, not only with the COVID pandemic, but uh, the rhetoric both from Trump, but also politicians across the aisles that have, you know, scapegoated uh, China have like continued to fuel the fire. Um, so we know that part of it is uh, educating folks on like how we are part of American history. We yeah. are part of the community um, and also um, bystander intervention training is preparing folks to be good neighbors, right, to actually um, be prepared to uh, intervene in some way when they see hate or harassment happening, because yeah. it is bad enough to be harassed and, uh, you know, be the victim of a hate crime. Mm -hmm. But to have that happen and be surrounded by community members who do nothing is so much worse. That's that's the worst part for sure. Natasha, your thoughts. Yeah, I you know, in this article, I saw that um, Coalition for a Better Chinese American Community has given out 400 alarms to the community, which I think is amazing. But, you know, arming the elderly and, you know, just citizens of Chinatown with these alarms isn't going to prevent anything bad from happening to them, unfortunately. And so I'm so thankful for Song and for Asian Americans Advancing Justice for hosting these bystander intervention trainings, because I do think it also depends on the community actually stepping up and stepping in when they are seeing things like that attack that happened on the red line. Yeah. Well, you know, Sung, beyond the bystander intervention training that we were just talking about and uh, these safety alarms, how has your sense of community and solidarity, how has that changed since the pandemic? Yeah. And, you know, in the way that sometimes tragedy or these incidents that happen that actually just surface issues that have been, you know, around for a very long time. Anti-Asian racism and violence is not new. It's been here for centuries. Um, and I think because of the visibility, though, there is more of an awareness that this is an issue that Asian Americans are part of the conversation of, um, you know, racial justice. Um, and there has been a way that the community has been coming together, been coming to understand the history of why things like the Teach Act are important why fighting in solidarity with black, indigenous, um, brown communities of color for like true safety and addressing the root causes of why violence happens. Mm -hmm. um, I think there's 
is increased awareness that this is this is a fight that more and more Asian Americans like see themselves reflected in. Yeah, I mean, this unfortunately has been happening, as you said, for a long time. It's something that you've had to go through or your parents, your grandparents. But does it feel different right now? Yeah, I think in that both the awareness, the media coverage, and also the last couple of years, um, as I said before, of targeting and scapegoating, right, yeah. of blaming COVID on on China and Chinese folks. Like, I think that really did fuel the fire of scapegoating that, again, Asians have been so vulnerable to for a very long time. It's mm -hmm. really, you know, in the historical record, there's a lot of uh, narrative around Asians as being disease-carrying foreigners. Like, that has actually been around for a very long time. So the fact that that kind of rhetoric was, you know, coming from the president and then all the other ways in mm -hmm. which it's continued to happen. And then I think a really important reminder of how these kinds of narratives directly impact safety for folks is it was the 40th anniversary of the murder of Vincent Chin, a Chinese-American man who was murdered by two white auto workers because they blamed Japan for the decline of the white auto industry. So it was just such a reminder that the rhetoric yeah. of who is at fault, who is to blame, directly impacts safety um, for, for different community members. Natasha, Asians Are Strong has been leading a movement and rally against Asian hate. We spoke to you back in May about your background in Krav Maga and um, leading self-defense training in the area. Now, since then, Asians Are Strong has started making YouTube videos in similar self-defense techniques. I want to take a little listen to that. Hey, everyone. Today, we want to share with you our top five subway platform safety tips. Due to all of the recent attacks where people up. are being pushed off the platform. You really need to back up. One of the most commonly owned and recommended self-defense tools is pepper spray, but it's really important for you to know how to use pepper spray before you find yourself in an active situation. So today, we're going to be showing you our five top... So that's sound from self-defense videos from the Asians Are Strong YouTube channel. Natasha, is there a significant difference between just general self-defense classes versus these specific techniques like Krav Maga? Yeah, so um, specifically with Krav Maga, um, this is a style of self-defense that's used for, by the Israeli Defense Force, but also with a lot of law enforcement. And I think one of the biggest differences between Krav Maga and other styles of martial arts is that it is meant to um, be used in situations where you're actively being attacked by someone and it's just meant to get yourself out of that situation and injure your opponent enough so that you can actually run away to safety. Mm -hmm. um, it's just one style that I personally practice, but Asians are strong. We're all trained in different types of martial arts. Uh, but the thing that we're always trying to tell people in a lot of our workshops and in a lot of our videos is that, you know, the majority of people that are out on the streets are not actively trained in any style of self-defense. And so when we do these workshops, either for the elderly who are either frail, you know, they are, might not be physically fit enough to actually fight a back against someone, yeah. um, or even, um, you know, just people who watch our videos online that might be scared to, you know, use pepper spray or a weapon, we do want to give people very tangible, real tools that they're going to remember, and then they can easily reflect on. Uh, but again, you know, watching these videos one time, going to a workshop one time is sadly not enough to yeah. have it be part of your muscle memory. It Self-defense is a continuous journey. Do you, do you ever get resistance from folks who just don't want to fight? 
Oh, absolutely. I think, you know, people don't want to, I think the majority of people don't want to inflict harm on others. Um, and I think also, too, a lot of the elderly, um, you know, are just afraid to actually fight back because they think that that might bring more attention to them or someone might want to cause more harm to them if they actually speak up for themselves. Yeah. Song, you're nodding your head there. Is it familiar? Just that resistance to even having to do this in the first place? Yeah, and that's, you know, like the fact that, you know, we need to be thinking about the short term and long term, right? Like, how do we both create more safety, more options for folks in the short term um, and also work towards right, addressing the root causes? Um, and, right, like most people don't want to cause others harm, right? That is not um, as people, I think generally we want to be safe community members. Um, and I think there is, you know, um, this, this sense of right, like, oh, what if I, you know, invite more violence or harm? Um, so I think that is also part escalates? of yeah, escalation. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think though that is a really, you know, delicate kind of um, assessment you have to make when something is happening is like, actually, how do I move towards more safety um, in this situation? Natasha, when you and I last spoke, you at the time were the entirety of the uh, Chicago mm-hmm. Asians Are Strong chapter. Has anything changed there? Unfortunately, I am still the only member here in Chicago, but actually um, I just connected with the coalition yesterday and we were talking about, you know, how can we expand efforts here in Chicago? Um, you know, it, there does seem to be a very pressing need, especially as we're seeing more attacks like the one that happened on the red line recently, to have these types of self-defense workshops in Chinatown and the communities surrounding. Um, so it is something that we're still working on, but trying to find more partnerships here in Chicago. Mm-hmm. What does true empowerment mean to to both of you? You first, Natasha. Empowering, I think, you know, it means becoming one of our slogans for Asians are strong is, um, you know, being your own hero and not being passive. And so I think in these situations, empowerment really feels like having control or at least the tools to respond to a situation. Um, So I think that's what I hope to focus on in in terms of empowering the community, just making them feel like they have the ability and the tools to Mm -hmm. actually fight back or stand up for themselves. Sangha, when you think of empowerment, what comes to mind? I think of what it looks like to actually empower like communities, right? Get away from the individual frame and the more long-term, right? Like what does it look like for a community to actually Uh, be empowered, be part of the process of creating a safer society. So I think of things like addressing the root causes of violence, like why violence happens in the first place is often histories of racism, disinvestment, division, uh, ways in which communities have pitted against each other. Um, So I think of what does it look like to move together as a community to actually feel we are empowered to be equal and, you know, just members of a shared society together. So mm-hmm. I think about, you know, that that piece. Um, a lot. Yeah. Well, these initiatives that we're talking about right now, the alarms, the, these defense trainings, is Asian Asians Americans advancing justice involved in these or planning to become involved? So we're partners with um, the Coalition for uh, Better Chinese American Community through the Pan-Asian Voter Empowerment Coalition, which is a big coalition of groups. I think uh, our role as Asian Americans Dancing Justice Chicago, we're focusing on uh, things like, you know, the TEACH Act, ways to address maybe some of the longer term uh, causes of violence. So I think that's also a reason why, you know, TEACH made Illinois the first state in the country to require Asian American history be taught in mm-hmm. K-12 class- classrooms. 
And also, we were really involved in the passing of the Pretrial Fairness Act, which in the same year made Illinois the first state in the country to abolish cash bail, um, which was a huge issue of of justice and justice for um, black and brown and you know communities of color. Um, and I think it's important that we were part of both because we want to move away from ways in which we are pitted against each other and continue to work towards like, what does it look like for every community to have the things that they need to be safe, thriving, uh, to not be, yeah, not be looking for scapegoats, right? I think, mm-hmm. I think that happens in, in situations of, you know, desperation and when you like don't feel connected and you don't feel safe. Yeah. Um, so I think that's kind of the role that we, we are trying to play in this longer fight. Yeah, good point. Natasha, what future do you see for young Asian Americans? Like, I, I wonder if, if you think parents will have to start or continue, if it's been a thing already, just kind of giving that talk about, you know, potential hate just because of what they look like, just because of their heritage. As a black woman, I know I've had to have that conversation with my children um, because of discrimination that people who look like me have faced. So is that something that's front of mind for you? Absolutely. And, you know, I, I think it's it's a very interesting and nuanced conversation. I think as, as this generation thinks about having their own children and, you know, the types of environments they want their kids to grow up in. Um, but I think one of the nuances is um, whether or not uh, children who grow up here see themselves as Asian or as American. I think that is a big topic of conversation that um, tends to crop up in our community is just kind of a, an identity crisis, you know, not really feeling like we're Asian because we didn't grow up there, but being seen as Asian or other. Um, So I think continuing to have those types of conversations around identity and and being open to having those conversations is going to be really helpful. Sung Ah, for Asians listening to us right now, and they feel anxious about all of what's happening, right? All of what they're seeing. What do you say to them? My like I empathize so much. I've definitely also felt this uptick and just awareness that there was a threat of violence that has increased. Um, and I think more than ever it is so important to get involved. Right. I would invite folks to get involved with community organizations that are actually fighting for uh, racial justice uh, for the Asian community. Right. For um, immigrant communities in solidarity with black and brown communities, because that I think really is what addresses the sense of, oh, I am alone and I'm so vulnerable. Like the way to really address that is actually to get into uh, communities that are organizing or taking collective action to actually create more safety. Um, So I think that is so much more important um, uh, than ever before. So really invite folks to, yeah, to find communities to to move together with. Yeah. And and Natasha, before I let you go, for folks who are seeking to be allies, of the Asian community? How can they show support? That's a great question, Sasha. Um, You know, again, I think what Sung was talking about in terms of bystander intervention and not seeing, um, you know, another person in the community who they might not identify with in terms of the same race or the same nationality, but just feeling as if, you know, you're looking out for your own loved one, whether it be, you know, your grandmother, your mom, your friend, and just really trying to build that sense of community, you know, looking out for one another and just making sure that everyone feels safe. That is Natasha Chan, board member of Asians Are Strong, and Sung Ah Cho, director of Organizing for Asian Americans Advancing Justice. Thank you so much for making the time to talk with us. Thank you so much, Sasha.